Grace Church. Great to see everybody here today. You glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Would you clap your hands? And let's give the Lord some praise here today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Great to see everybody. Thank you all for being here. We certainly welcome all of our guests here today. So thankful that you're here. And uh, let me quickly remind you of uh, a few announcements. Uh, anybody know what's going on this coming week? Thanksgiving. And uh, I think a part of our altar service experience here today is to make some kind of an honest commitment to the Lord that we're not going to overeat on Thursday. You can save it to Friday, just not Thursday right now. I'm kidding. I hope all of you have a great, great Thanksgiving. Have a great, great Thanksgiving holiday. And because it's Thanksgiving week and people are out of town, people are very busy, uh, we will not have prayer this coming Tuesday or service this coming Wednesday night. So remember that. And for those of you that are cooking at home and need to start on Wednesday night, you're welcome. Uh, but be back next Sunday. We'll be having church. Our next service, next activity here on the campus will be uh, this coming Sunday. And then we want to remind you that on Sunday, December the 10th, uh, Sunday evening, uh, December 10th is our uh, Christmas banquet, and I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time. It'll run, start at 6 o'clock. And uh, so plan, plan for that. Uh, a category has been set up on Easy Tithe, our website through which you give offering and so on, uh, to uh, purchase meal I guess at the banquet and we're asking everybody to come and when you see the price of it I'd like for you to keep in mind that Grace Church is paying half of it so what you see on the internet would be double that and so you're welcome for that as well and uh, it's the pleasure of Grace Church to be able to do that uh, Brother David Beckton will be there um, he is excellent in humor and uh, entertainment and what have you he will be our guest of honor that night so plan to come, bring your family. It's going to be a great, great time. In a few moments, we're going to be uh, baptizing Malakia. Uh, this is someone uh, connected with uh, EJ and Precious Moye. Uh, she will be baptized in just a few moments. So everybody stand this morning. Let's worship the Lord, and uh, let's let the Lord have his way. Thanks. To you, Lord. To you, Lord. And sing praise. 
Your wounds. 
some kind of a pulse beat on what's going on in the Middle East. And it's a mess. Our world's in a mess. It is. But I've gone to bed every night this week and didn't have to worry about a thing because I know who holds not just our future, but I know who holds mine. And I don't have anything to worry about. I thank God today. I'm thankful He's alive. thankful He's alive. I'm thankful He's alive. And not only is he alive, but he's in this building today. He's right here with us. And I welcome the presence of the Lord here today. Amen. Thank the Lord. You may be seated for a moment. We'll turn to the Word of God. It's always an amazing, exciting thing to be in the house of the Lord. I was praying a few minutes in my office this morning and just reminded God how much I love this place. Love being here. Love being in the presence of God. Love being with God's people. And uh, again, we welcome everyone here today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for joining us on this uh, pre-Thanksgiving Sunday. And uh, we do hope and trust that all of you have a wonderful, wonderful holiday this week. And uh, that you certainly take a moment to thank God uh, for all the amazing things He's done in our lives. And I mean that with all of my heart. I'm also this morning very thankful to... uh, have, have witnessed someone being baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. That's always an exciting thing. It's always exciting. Uh, I was so excited, and uh, I do apologize to uh, Malakia and the Moye family. Somehow or another, I set my phone down yesterday afternoon, and I didn't pick it up till about, it was about 11.15, or about 12.15, 12.30 when I went to bed this morning. And I saw that they had texted me that uh, Malachia wanted to be baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. Precious taught her Bible study, and she understands the beauty of being baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus and made that happen this morning. And uh, But my point in apologizing is I wondered what they thought when uh, Brother E.J. texted me, I think it was around 6 o'clock yesterday afternoon, and got no response. And what kind of pastor is that? And uh, but I just set my phone aside, and it was—I didn't even think about my phone until uh, going to bed last night. But we are so very thankful, Malakia. We're glad to have you today. Thank you for being here on your very first Sunday. Glad you're here. Amen. And uh, I, I believe, I guess, very first Sunday in Grace Church to be baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus, and we're very excited about that. And uh, we don't like to embarrass people or put people on the spot. But um, you may not know, but while you were being baptized, it was on that screen. And everybody out here was able to witness the the 
this great, great event. So, uh, so all the folks have seen you already uh, via camera on the screen. So there you go. That's our way of letting everybody rejoice with you, right? So, um, but I have a certificate I would like to give to you. And if you don't mind, would you mind walking up here? Uh, come stand right up here with me if you would, so people can see you in person. Amen. Come right on up. That's right. So uh, we're so very glad you're here. Thank you for being here. And I'm Pastor Murphy. This is, I don't think I've ever met anybody for the first time like this. I mean, right in the middle of church. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So we're glad you're here. Glad you're here, and I'm being here. And uh, this is a custom we have here at our church. And when people are baptized, we like to give them their certificate just to mark, put it in writing. And you always remember this. You'll never forget this time. So just as your name that you were baptized, this is a date signed off on it and you can keep that as a keepsake and always remember being baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. Thank you and God bless you. Absolutely. Wonderful. Before you, I have you stand for the reading of the word, I am so excited uh, about Grace Church and the amazing things that, that God is doing and uh, I want to mention some things specifically, and of course you've guessed it, about our amazing youth group that I love deeply. Um, these, these students have just completely given themselves to Jesus and uh, is willing to do for Jesus whatever they can. And uh, we have applauded uh, Braylon and Laney for teaching a, a P7, what they call P7 Bible class, and you've heard from both of them uh, about their their Bible class at school, on school campus, and I applaud the staff of, of Central High School for, and then uh, Laney's class for allowing this, facilitating it, not just giving them permission, but give them a room to meet in, and um, uh, they are, I mean, they're blowing and going with it, and it's amazing. Well, this uh, past Wednesday night, Garrett Adams approached me after church, and I understood that he was wanting to start a P7 Bible study uh, at his school, and I'm going to have him tell you about it later. And the next Sunday or two, we've already talked about it. I want him to come give you all the details, and, and we'll do that later. But uh, just in very short, and I'm trying to steal his thunder in any way, shape, or form, but uh, he met with his group at Central Middle, uh, this past week, week before last, exactly when it was, I'm not sure, but uh, he had 58 middle schoolers show up for his his Bible study. And, uh, I want to tell our adults something. All three of our students that are doing this, they don't have a master's degree in theology. They don't have a doctorate. They're not even old enough to go to college yet. And they're just taking a little Bible study and in about 10 or 15 minutes, they're pouring their heart into their fellow students. They're not afraid. They're not bound by peer pressure. If they can do it, if they can do it, then it should challenge us to do it. I am so thankful and so pastoral proud, if that's, if y'all understand what I mean. I am so thankful for our youth group. The, the, our students are amazing. Well, may I continue? We have three teaching a P7 uh, Bible study at their school, and they're reaching 
well over 100 students, probably closer to 110, 115, maybe 120 students that they're reaching when they do this. This is a light in a very dark place. I'm very thankful for that. We also have five or six of our students that are involved in Bible quizzing. We'll be starting the Bible quizzing tournaments. I believe they start in January of next year. Uh, we have students, we have a bunch of them in our JV serve team. They're doing an amazing job. I talked to Sister Farah and Shaquana. I'm so excited and beside myself. I don't know what to do, but she asked uh, if it was okay if Jada uh, became one of our JV team greeters out in the lobby just to hold a little sign like they're doing now. I haven't seen it. I don't come in that way. Um, but they hold signs, welcome, welcome. And I don't know if there's a person in this building that has a more beautiful smile than Jada. And I am so excited about that. I am. And uh, so some of you coming in the lobby in the next coming Sundays, you'll see our sweet Miss Jada out there welcoming you to the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, David said he would rather serve in that capacity than to be in a world with everything you can imagine. I'd rather be a doorkeeper, he said, in the house of the Lord. And uh, God bless all of our lobby staff, everybody that does everything around this church. But I just wanted to really take a moment to explain to our to Grace Church how these our students are they're rising to the occasion. They've been challenged at Youth Congress. They've been they're challenged at youth rallies. They're challenged here. And they're saying, you know what? We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And uh, the only greater thing that they could do is all of them, every lasting one of them, be doing something along this line. And we're getting there. Thank the Lord. We're getting there. And uh, I'm thankful for our youth group. Let's give them and their parents some great appreciation today. He's working in the sound booth. He's the one that just started the P7. There he is, way back there in the media booth. And uh, I just, I'm just so excited. Uh, Miss Jada is sitting right up here with the girls. And uh, this girls section keeps growing, it seems like. You old people on the third row, y'all might have to move back a row or something and start sharing some, some space there. We'll make it happen, whatever it takes. Amen. Thank the Lord. God bless you guys. Love Grace Church. Thank you for our youth staff that is doing such an amazing job, and especially our parents. Uh, they're the ones that's making the difference and making all of this happen. And everybody say amen. Thank the Lord. Stand with me today as we go to the Word of God. Thank you for your patience. Keep our students in your prayers, the parents of our students in your prayers. And um, the devil would like nothing more to destroy all of this but I say greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world I've got a message that's been just really boiling up on the inside of me this morning and uh, something happened with me personally uh, over the past several days if I have a moment in this presentation I'll share it with you but I want to call your attention to Matthew chapter 16 verse 13 <clears throat> Matthew 16 verse 13 and uh, it's great to hear Bible pages being turned this way and that way. Thank you for bringing your Bibles and not just depending on the screen. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Whom do men say that I, 
the Son of Man am. And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Notice this, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Barjona in the Hebrew tongue, the word bar, B-A-R, is the son of, is what that means. So blessed art thou, Simon, the son of Jonah. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Notice this. Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. But in verse 18 he said, I say unto, also unto thee that thou art Peter. He called him Simon Barjona, a statement ahead of that, and then changed it to Peter. He said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I want to preach to you for a little while, everybody in the building, especially our students, but everybody. I want to title this with a question. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Look at somebody close to you and say, who do you think you are? Y'all get that? Thank the Lord. Everybody say, thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. I do not mean this in probably the most common way that you would hear this question asked. I don't mean it as most people will say it with some kind of ugly and sarcastic. Somebody says something to you and it clips you really bad, kind of cuts you off at the kneecaps and you look at them and say, well, who do you think you are? Has a husband or wife here today ever exchanged that with your spouse? He better walk on out. And I don't know if y'all to come in that door either. If he's smart, he'll just get going to his car and hope she calms down before she gets home today. That's all I'm saying. I know why he did that. His wife is she is also Heather is also in the production booth back there so they're not even setting together this morning so he feels all masculine and manly because he's not going to get pinched and jabbed in the ribs and all that he will when he gets home I can promise you that he don't know what's waiting on him we need to pray for them may text them in the morning and ask them Heather y'all still married see what they say an old saying heard it for years dummy you dummy you we'll just leave it right there we'll move on <clears throat> I don't mean it that way I mean it as an honest true very sincere very transparent question have you ever really honestly and objectively looked in your in the mirror and asked, who do you think you are talking to yourself who are you what is your identity <laughs> that's a hot topic in our culture today as we all know people in our current society struggle with their identity 
They struggle with who they are. I've never seen it on this level in my entire life. I think part of what's driving that is that people have a lack of value and purpose, and it takes away their identity. There's nothing they can really attach themselves to, so they want to change their identity. I want to be someone else. God revealed to me a long time ago, uh, I'm not always happy with me. I'm probably more unhappy with me than I am anybody else on this planet. But I have come to understand, good or bad, sink or swim, that God made me this way. So apparently, he's happy with it. He hasn't changed all that much about my personality and whatnot. So, and y'all are laughing at me. I bounce that right back at you. There's people that don't like you either. So we want to change and be something else where we're more likable. But I have discovered in my tenure of life and living it to the best of my ability that if I'm not me, guess what? Nobody else is going to be me either. And that could be good or bad. And I'll leave the opinion up to me, not you. So there we go. We're, we're okay on that, right? So people really struggle with their, their identity. I believe a beautiful thing about belonging to a church, particularly Grace Church, is we strive really hard to help people realize who they are in the kingdom of God. Uh, our students are manifesting this pretty huge right now. They are. Uh, I would say virtually all of them that attend here regular are coming into an identity of themselves and their relationship with God, and they're happy about it. I will tell you very honestly today, if I were not in church, if I didn't belong to church, a church, I don't know where I'd be right now. I know me. I don't know what kind of life I would be living if I were not in the kingdom of God. And the beauty of being in a church, the beauty of belonging to a church, is you can be brought face to face with who God would like for you to be, who God has called us to be, who God has gifted us to be, etc. Out in the world, outside of church, people can say what you want to about church, but your job don't always work very hard to help you realize who you are. You're supposed to know that when you walk in the door. The school system, I don't really know what they do anymore. Uh, that's an honest statement. I don't. Um, they don't help with that. But God does. Because he's the one that ordained your life, that sanctioned conception, if you will, and had you become a human living on this planet. God made that happen. David said, uh, referred to that, that God knew me even when I was in the womb. He admitted that even in sin did my mother conceive me. But when you meet Jesus at some point in life after that moment, everything can change, and it does. But one of the great things that changes, that is supposed to change, that should change, is your identity as to who you are. Now, this ain't a church thing that God makes you into a weirdo and makes you strange and, and all of that. It's not that. 
It's that you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, now that all my sin is washed away and all of my brokenness has been repaired and I'm the person that God wants me to be, I'm now made in His image. I've been born again in His image. I kind of know who I am now and I've got a new lease on life. I've got a new future ahead of me. I've got promise ahead of me. I've got hope ahead of me. It's what God does. The world don't do that. Sin doesn't do that, but God does. So... And the kingdom of God, or if you're even here today thinking about becoming a part of the kingdom of God, you're willing to experience this new birth, this being born again that you hear sometimes in religious circles. If you're thinking about that, I would like for you to ask yourself the question, who do I think I am and what would God like to do with me? How can God change my identity? There's a lot I could say here, but I I need to move on. I believe all of us that are familiar with Matthew chapter 16 and what happened in this exchange between Jesus and his disciples, more specifically between him and, and Peter, it has to be one of the greatest moments of Jesus' earthly ministry. There's somebody here now. Jesus told to several people who he was before this occasion with Simon Peter. He told the woman at the well that I'm the Messiah. And she took that event as a moment of conversion for herself and went home and told her friends and family, come see a man that told me everything I was, that I've been married Five times, and the man I'm living with now is not my husband. Come see that man. She missed. She got a revelation of herself, but missed the revelation of Christ. But Peter, Jesus had a similar, painting a broad stroke here, but kind of had a similar event with Jesus. So did all the disciples. But it seems like Peter's the only one that really got it. And Jesus prefaced his remarks by asking, who do men say that I am? Jesus was asking, who do men say, who do men think I am? And then he narrowed it down to them, the 12 disciples, and said, who do you say that I am? Or who do you think that I am? And Peter blurted out, well, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're God robed in flesh. You're not just a man. You're not just a prophet. You're not a rabbi. You're not that. You're God robed in flesh. He got it. He got the revelation. And because of that moment, Jesus no longer called him Simon. But from one sentence, one question, Peter's answer to the next statement, Jesus changed his name. But more than that, he changed his identity. A revelation of Christ should do something to all of us that is miraculous and amazing and powerful. Do you understand the privilege of knowing who God is? You're not guessing. 
You're not trying to sort it out through an encyclopedia or Wikipedia or the internet. You've had this moment with God where a light comes on in your head and you say, hey, wait a minute. This God, this God that I've believed for all of my life that lives out there in eternity somewhere that's an old man now and he has white hair and a long beard, that's not, that's not right anymore. I understand that that God robed himself in flesh, was born of a woman and died on the cross for my sin so I can know not only who he is but now I can know who I am and I'm thankful today that I have received that revelation I have received that understanding and it changed my life I do find it interesting that Jesus was concerned about his disciples opinion or knowledge of him I believe he still is today. He wants you to know who he is. He don't want you guessing. He wants you to know who he is, that he is God manifest in flesh. Either way, whether man knew who he was or not, was not going to make God one way or the other. God was still God whether man knew that or not. But he wants man to know him. He wants everyone to know him. I also find it interesting that in the midst of his incredible moment that is Simon Peter an incredible moment of divine revelation concerning himself that Jesus also chose to reveal who Simon was and with Simon coming to the reality of who he was Jesus said I can build a church on that when you're not living a lie anymore when you're transparent with God and you allow God to make you into the person he wants you to be, he can build a church on that. He can build a church on that. I think that's a pretty profound point. Uh, he can build a church. So now, Jesus, upon Simon's revelation of him, that Jesus, Simon, immediately changed to Peter. Simon means a reed, a reed, a plant that just blows with the wind. Whichever way the wind's blowing, that's the way it blows. If the wind's blowing this way, it's going to blow over. If the wind's blowing this way, it's going to blow over. That's who Simon was. But, on a revel but upon a revelation of Jesus Christ, he became Peter. The Greek word is Petros which means a rock. So Jesus changed him from flimsy, unstable, shaking in every breeze, blowing in every direction, to a rock that is solid with clear identity and a rock that can't be moved. That's what that revelation did to this disciple that it didn't do to the rest of them. That's what gave Peter. Jesus did not judge him based on his past and he did not prejudge him over the mistakes he would make in the future Jesus knew when crucifixion time came for him that this rock this Simon Peter that old nature of Simon was going to rise to the surface and he would deny Jesus three times Jesus knew that but he knew that Peter's revelation of him 
would override that, would supersede his weakness and make him a powerful man and said, you know what? I've just found my dead Pentecost preacher right here. I'm going to take this old flimsy, wishy-washy reed that blows in the wind. I'm going to make him solid. And he is going to introduce the apostolic message to the world. I'm going to let him be the first to tell people that I, Jesus, can be in them if they ask me to. Thou art To me, this wasn't entirely necessary for Jesus to accomplish his mission. And really and truly, to me it doesn't go along with the context of what Jesus was trying to do here. He wanted his disciples to know who he was. He already knew who they were. He knew who they were when he called them to be a disciple. He knew who Peter was when he called him to be a disciple. What was important here is it was for Peter to know who he was. Now he knows who Jesus is, but now it's important for Peter to know who Peter is. Y'all follow me? Something happens when God steps into our life. Jesus said, you are Peter. That's your identity now. That's you are, that's who you are as a person. And Simon Peter, from now on out, your life will never be the same again. You have had a face-to-face rendezvous with God Himself, and you will never be the same again. So where this may not make a whole lot of sense and be that big of a deal when you read the scripture, I believe it's huge. And then I've I've realized in in studying this that when it came to finding a candidate to build Jesus a church in this area, in this arena of revelation, Jesus was looking for a man that was capable, and he found one. I believe we've reached a point in the church world today where we need to focus more on who we are and a little less on who we were. And that's one of the biggest millstones that the devil hangs around people's neck. Because I was so-and-so, and because I made a mistake, because I did this, because I did that, God can never use me again. He's not concerned about who you were. He can take care of that. He's deeply concerned about who you are and who you think you are. So we need to stop taking the tuck head. It's time that we let God deliver us from feelings of inadequacy, feelings of being inferior, feelings of wanting to quit and be ashamed and engage a boldness and courage to accomplish for the kingdom of God what he has called us to accomplish. That's why I applaud our students, especially those that are doing the P7 Bible study at school. They're virtually the big, huge minority here, if you will. There is not but two or three of them that even believe much in the Bible, and they're willing to walk on their school campus, and they don't care who's around and how many's there. This is my identity. This is who I am, and this is what I'm going to do. I know who I am. My question to you, fellow student, is do you know who you are? Let's give the Lord some appreciation today.
Amen. Last Sunday night, <laughs> y'all can laugh, it's okay. Sister Murphy laughed. And the group that was here last Sunday night for Sister Murphy's class she did on, on baking bread, it's not just generic bread, there's a very strong purpose behind all that. Uh, they kind of giggled. But Sister Murphy asked me last Sunday, last Sunday afternoon, we got home from church, if I was coming to her bread class. She's saying that against the, the backdrop as, as she has told me about all this many, many times. And I really didn't need to come to the class for more information. But she meant was I coming just, I guess, in a supportive role or whatever. And uh, so I told her I would. And, uh, but I told her I didn't eat much for lunch last Sunday. And uh, I was hungry. And when she was done with her presentation and started baking the bread and let everybody try it, I was going to go to a different place for sustenance and uh, it's one of my favorite places bingo wing stop but the two men that were sitting on my right and left had Boo Tipper on one side Brother Billy on the other felt like Jesus being between two thieves but it was okay I'm kidding it's just a joke I'm kidding uh, but sitting there uh, uh, I, I actually asked Brother Billy later uh, but I, I just kept looking at my watch, kept looking at my watch, and I felt a sense of urgency. I'm being very honest and very transparent. And Sister Murphy wasn't quite finished, and but I, I had to go. And uh, I, I got up and left, and I felt bad about it, but I just felt an urgency. When I walked into Wingstop, there's a couple of people in there, and, and uh, <laughs> the one here in Central, they know me. Hey, Mr. Murphy, how are you, and all that. And um, they even know what I want. When they know what you want, it means you've been there too much, and um, is what it is. But the lady behind the the, the cash register, her name is Tony. I was hoping she'd be here today, but um, I noticed her mouth was a little puffy on one side. And um, I'm not going to go through the whole long story. I'll just cut to the chase. It's about a 10 minute story for the way I tell it. Um, but anyway. Um, she told me she had a, a, a terrible, terrible toothache. That's why her mouth was swollen. And she said, I'd like for you to pray for me. Now, she, don't, she just knows my name. She don't know what I do. She don't know a pastor church, none of that. She said, I'd like for you to pray for me. When people tell me that, I take it that means now. She didn't ask me to pray when I got home and before I go to bed and all that. She said, I'd like for you to pray for me. Well, I took it as now. And I said, I'd be more than happy to. Well, we're doing the exchange. I was ordering my food and... Uh, she said, give me a minute. I'll, I'll be with you in a minute. And uh, so I went and sat down. And I, I'm honest with you folks, something came over me. And I sat down at my table. There was uh, some people there. They left momentarily. But when I sat down, this is what I started doing. I didn't have my food yet. I set my phone on the table. And this was my volume and tone. God, help me right now. You know what's up with this lady at that time. I didn't know her name. But I said, God, you know what's up with her, and I pray that you help me right now, help her, let the Spirit of the Lord. I'm praying out loud in Wingstop. And it seemed just like that. She came up from behind me, handed me my tray of food, and she held her hands out like that and said, are you ready? I stood up and said, absolutely. And I grabbed her hands and started praying, and tears started flowing, flowing down her face. And I prayed for her toothache. But I realized there was more there. And uh, I let go of her hands, and I just put my arms around her and just pulled her into me. 
and just started praying my heart out and she started sobbing on my shoulder in the middle of Wingstop. And at that time, people, they were leaving, not because of that, they got their food and they were leaving. It ended up just being me and her and the fellow employees in the kitchen. And so we, we backed apart after a few minutes. I, I'm telling you folks, her, her cheeks were drenched, both sides in tears, soaked in tears. She turned around and got her paper towel and was wiping her face. And she looked at me and I heard her praying when she was leaning into me sobbing. And she was telling God, I'm not a good person. Uh, I use bad words. I don't ever give you any of my money. Um, I'm never with you. I'm never around you. And God, I got to do something about that. Got to make that. I've got to make that better. When we, we backed apart, she started telling me that. And I stopped her and I said, you know what you're doing? You're repenting. You're actually repenting in Wingstop. You're, you're praying for God to forgive you. And uh, I told her who I was. And she said, I noticed the first time you came in here, I've watched you when you've come in here with your wife. You've come in here with other people with you. And she said, I do know, she said, not the Bible, but the book says to let your light shine. And said, you do. Your wife does. And the people that come with you do. And she said, I've known, she said, the past five or six, this is ridiculous, the past five or six times you've been here. <laughs> and then I have to point that out. But said, the last five or six times you've been here, I've wanted you to pray for me. But I didn't want to interrupt your, your, your meal. I didn't want to interrupt when you and your wife was here. I didn't want to interrupt when you and your uh, people that were with you. Didn't know we were all church people. But she said, I knew the first time I saw you, there was something different about you and your wife. And y'all's light has been shining. You know what made her see that? Is <clears throat> because a long time ago, I had a face-to-face -face spiritual experience encounter with God. And he changed my identity. To that lady, I found out her name when I was leaving. I don't know who she is. But she has watched me and scrutinized me, if you will, to some degree. Every time I walk into Wingstop and something on the inside, I forgot her word. She didn't say nudges me. She said she used another word. So she said it, it, this, whatever word she used, it means nudging, nudges me for you to go pray for me. I have felt that every time you've come in here it happened because I have learned who I am I've reconciled with who I am and I'm very happy with who I am so who do you think you are people feel inadequate they feel feelings of being inferior they want to quit they feel ashamed but if you could engage boldness, I came back to the church. I ate very quick, quickly as I could, came back to the church. I wanted to catch this group while they were here to pray for her, to pray for Tony. They did. It was incredible. Uh, and to tell them that story. But I told them something came over me and I could not help myself. There was no way I could have told that lady, I'll pray for you later. Or I'll pray for you when I get home. I reached a point, and I reached it a long time ago. It's not the first time I've done this. That if I'm out in public and somebody approaches me, I'm going to do what I need to do. And it doesn't make any difference who's around and who's listening. We need to adapt that into our daily lifestyle. That when you're somewhere, don't drive away saying I should have. And then call everybody and say I had this glorious moment, but I didn't do it. Don't do that. Don't let that happen again. Accept and reconcile with who you are. 
as a child of God, and you are a light in a very dark place. Amen. Um, so if you're not careful as a child of God, these thoughts and desires will slip into your relationship with God and you'll feel inadequate because you don't live up to someone else's standards or because you have a shameful past or because your mom and dad weren't what they should have been or who they should have been. And I can't pray like so-and-so and I can't sing like so-and-so. And you may say, you don't know what I've done and where I've been and all of that. And you, you want to run from your past. I want you to understand your past is what gives you part of your identity. In that, you were once lost. You were once lost. I'd like for about five people behind the young people to stand to your feet and remember the time when you once were lost. You were once undone. You were once a sinner. You were once unclean. You were once immoral. You were once an addict. You were once an alcoholic, but no more. No more. All of that's over. All of that's behind you. That is not your identity. That is your testimony. And if you'll share it with somebody, you can bring people to the same place in Jesus that you're in. Everybody clap your hands and shout, yes. Hallelujah. You may be seated. So it doesn't matter if you drank like a fish and used more drugs than a pharmacy can sell in a day or you were immoral. Jesus still loves you. Hear me right now. You're the person that God can use to build this church. <laughs> you didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Paul said, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, or abusers of themselves and mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Such were some of you. But you were washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Can I tell you that God created you? You may be seated to be yourself, that you are unique to God, just as we expect God to be to us who he is. I believe he expects us to be who we are. And if you're not who you are, then who is going to be you? Don't let the devil, the world, your friends, your family ever give you a thumbs down. You are a child of God. You are a child of of God. I want to tell our students here today, you're going to mess up. God knows what's ahead of you in the future. He knows you're going to sin, and he'll forgive you when you ask him. Don't let the devil throw you this curveball that once you make a mistake, you're done, buddy. The world may hold it against you, and there may be some church people that holds it against you, but God doesn't, and Pastor Murphy doesn't, and Grace Church doesn't. You're a child of God. I am an adopted child of God. 
You may be seated. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. When you get up in the morning, you should remind yourself that I am blessed and I am highly favored because I'm a child of God. I know there's people here today that have been adopted by a family or there's people here today that have adopted a child. We know a lot of people. Sister Murphy and I know quite a few people that have adopted children. You know what it means to be adopted? You know what it means to be adopted? When you're born into a family, like most of us were, your mom and dad wanted a child, boy, girl. Most parents, future parents say it doesn't matter as long as they're healthy, whatever. Everybody says that. It doesn't matter if they're not healthy. It's your child and you still love them. But when a child is adopted, there's something about that baby. When the prospective adoptive parents look at that child, they determine out of all the babies that we could be adopting, I want that one. The Bible teaches we as Gentile people, we are adopted into the kingdom of God. You listen to what pastor's about to say. God wanted you far more than you ever wanted him. One day he looked at Jason Summers and said, I want that guy in my kingdom. I just want, he looked at James Tomlinson and said, I want that guy. He looked at Tom Laidlaw and said, there's just something about that man. I want him. I want him. And he looked at Russ Hart and he goes, you go right down the line, front to back. You can look at Daniel Love and, and, and there's, God said, I wanted that person. I wanted that person. I'm going to be honest with you. There are church people that I've known in my past had people join their church that they weren't real happy about. Let me remind you, we choose our friends, but God chooses our brother and sister. Amen. Amen. So I am an adopted child of God. That means he didn't have to have me, but he chose me. He delights in me. He paid a huge price for me. I am water baptized. I am filled with the Holy Ghost. I am an anointed child of God. So let me ask you today, who do you think you are? God knows who you are. The church knows who you are. But who do you think you are? I've got a long ways. I'm not going to finish this today. You may be seated. So there's people here today you need to start believing in yourself again. Don't tell me. Don't remind me. don't matter what you tell me, honestly. But don't tell God. But you don't know who I am. You don't remember what I've done. You don't remember the places I've been. God wants you to start believing in yourself again. God wants you to start believing in pastor again. He wants you to believe in the church again. He wants you to start believing in your kids again. He wants you to start believing in your parents again. He wants you to start believing in him again. I want you to notice today. I can't make it living for the devil. I can't make it not living for God. So I'm determined that I'm going to live for God to the best of my ability. I'm going to go to church. I'm not going to let anybody hold me back. I'm going to conclude. I'm not done, but I'm going to conclude on this thought right here. The big verse that I love in the Bible, 
Put it on the screen, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Everybody read that and look at that. I can tell you standing in Wingstop the other last Sunday night, I could give you 14 reasons why I wasn't worthy to be standing there proclaiming Jesus to this lady that I never knew her name until that night. I could give you a million reasons and I could reason it all out in my head. And I can talk to Sister Murphy about it. And I can talk to my kids about it. And I can talk to church people about it. Why? That I was not worthy to go into this door that God opened up for me. And I can remind you of all the mistakes I've made and all the things I've done. But there's this one verse in the Bible. And to me, God only had to say it once. He didn't have to say it over and over. There are just some things you only need to say once. And this is one of those cases. He said, Paul said, There is therefore now... No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Jesus said, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Y'all stand with me this morning. I like that old song we used to sing out of the hymnal back in the day. Once like a bird, in prison I dwelt, and no freedom from my sorrow I felt. I don't remember the rest of the words, but the bottom line says, I met Jesus one day, and when I met him, he set me free. There's people here today that wouldn't be married right now if it wasn't for Jesus. There's people here today that wouldn't have kids right now if it wasn't for Jesus. There's people right now that wouldn't have the job you have if it wasn't for Jesus. When you come into God's kingdom, He gives you an identity. He reminds you that He made you. And if you'll listen to Him, He will do something amazing with your life. believe the next greatest feeling after receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost is sharing that with someone else and you invite them to church and they get what you got can't express how excited I was when our sweet lady Taylor brought one of her fellow students from her high school with her I don't think they're really neighbors. They live a distance apart. I think they, they just knew each other at school. And I watched that little girl with Laney standing beside her, tears streaming down Laney's face. So I watched, I say that little girl, that student, be filled with the Holy Ghost, be baptized with the Spirit of God. Isn't it amazing for those that have won somebody to the Lord? Isn't it amazing? that if God did that for you, he'll do that for your best friend. He'll do that for your family. It's wonderful. It's amazing to see these things happen. And I know today, the closing moments of this service, I'm not ending this quick so I can go to Wingstop. So get that evil out of your head. gotten my point and there's no point in repeating it over and over. There's people today that have been filled with the Holy Ghost spoken other tongues. There's people today that haven't. Either way, God wants to bring you face to face with who He is and with who you are. Not to condemn you, but to give you value.
one of people through the years that have never experienced being born again, repenting of your sins, just coming up here, tell God I'm sorry, and from this day forward, I'm going to do the best of my ability to walk away from sinful things. I'm going to give it up. That's repentance. And as we saw Malachia be baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus, he forgives you in repentance. He washes the sins away in baptism. And then he fills you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then you'll speak a language you've never spoken before. It's a heavenly language the Bible teaches. I've done it many times, and probably the vast majority of the people in this building have. So it's a real thing. And you get a revelation of the amazing power of God. You get a, you get a revelation of incredible love like you've never felt before, mercy like you've never felt, grace like you've never felt. You get all of that. And he brings you face to face with who you are, fills you up with his spirit, and you immediately become this other person, this person that's confident, this person that has the power of God, this person that's experiencing healing, people, people that's being restored, people that become a person that to adopt. He sees you as you are now. Imperfect. Made a lot of mistakes. But he said, I want that person. I want to adopt that person into my family. And when you do, you step into this arena of lifestyle where God blesses you so unexpectedly virtually every day. New things happen. Great things start happening in your life. And you see the hand of God so visibly in that This time, don't turn to your neighbor. But I would like for you to ask yourself, who do I think I am? Would you say that out loud? Who do I think I am? Who do I think I am? If you're not sure, God wants to help you with that today. God wants to minister to you. If you have a loved one, out there lost somewhere, a friend, a neighbor, whoever it may be that's just lost out there somewhere. You can ask God to help you bring them to a place where they can experience what we all have experienced. So I'm reaching today for maybe just one, two, three people here today. You would like to be a little more clear in who you are. God's not going to make you quit your job and spouse out and all that. He's not going to do that. But you will be a different person. You'll be a much happier person. You'll be a more confident person. You'll have something about you that says, I know who I am and I can take on the world because I have the power of God inside of me. So as they begin to sing softly, everybody come. And if you'd like to, to come experience what I've just described, if you'd like to draw closer to Him, there's people here today, saints of God, that are struggling with things. Bring that up here and leave it. Bring it up here and leave it, whatever it is, and let God make you over again. Let God work in your life in a tremendous way. Let God have his way. Let him have his way in your life and see what he can do with your tomorrow. Would you come bring it to him right now, everybody? As There's they no shadow you won't lay up down to your climb Talk to the Lord right now. Everybody talk to me. God, I'm no you won't 
God, I want more of you. God, I want more of you. Oh, God, I want more of you. Help me, oh, God, to walk out of here a new person, a new creature. Help me, God, to accept the invitation to become a part of your family, to become a part of who you are and what you want me to be. Come on, everybody. Come on, students. Lord have his way. 